Welcome, everybody. Before you hear Adi Toast, not only will you learn how to be repentant, you'll learn how to be repent house and repent mansion. There is definitely room for improvement in our repent mansion, and you don't even have to pay repent rent. (laughs) (laughs) Today, we're going to discuss how to go through the repentance process the right way. Welcome to Walk With Him. I'm Elder Blacker, and here we welcome anyone and everyone who's looking to improve their life by improving their relationship with our Savior, Jesus Christ. My name is Mitchell Redmond, and here in this podcast, we're going to be going over a variety of topics and doctrine within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. There's a lot to learn from Jesus Christ's ministry, and here our mission is to help you make the best decisions from the example of Jesus Christ. Life's not going to be perfect, but our Savior is perfect, so hopefully you'll join us as we walk with Him. You should have you should have done some sort of reference in the pre-roll to like eternal damnation. That yeah, well, you know, basically, a soul gets damned for eternity. That's that's what it is. Eternal damnation. That's like saying <laughs> eternal mean- life is life. That's eternal. Wait, for real? <laughs> it has nothing to do with pretzels. You know what? Never mind. I was All about right, to get us derailed. Anyway. So, yeah, we're continuing our series of the gospel of Jesus Christ about repentance. And let me tell you, I have studied repentance extensively. Like, there was a a list of scriptures I had purely on repentance. It was like 30-plus scriptures. I read all of them, took notes on most of them, and pretty much most questions you could ask me about repentance, I would probably be able to answer. And was I, like what was repentance one of the most common things you taught in Mexico? Yeah. Cool. A lot of these people in Mexico would come to us with their problems and because most of them would be in a place where they would respond to our ads, right? They would respond to the come follow him or come unto Christ ads. Right. Because something has happened in their life and they want to turn to a spiritual source, right? Right. People in Mexico are very spiritual people, which I appreciate. Basically, you're saying that a lot of those people hit a rock bottom. Yeah. And then they're like, ah. That's where they came from, essentially. Okay, that makes sense. And so I heard (laughs) kind of a lot of pretty tough situations. But it was really cool to see a lot of them just make the choice to trust in God and then to start making those changes in their lives. And then to see the change it has on their life, right? Uh Uh-huh. That's actually really cool. It was really cool. I enjoyed it because, I mean, repentance isn't a fun process, but the problem that I'm sure you've seen it too, the problem that I feel sometimes in our church is that it's seen as sort of a, oh, you have to go through this repentance process because you did something bad and you have to be, like they see it as more of a punishment rather than a healing process. Like the way Kevin Hinckley put it to me is that it's the difference between seeing it as like you have to talk to a police officer to confess your crime or you talk to a doctor to heal your wounds. That's actually a really good analogy. I like that. But we, I mean, obviously you would rather not be in the doctor. So like, right. like there's an understanding of a hesitancy, right? But it's mentioning... It's bringing light to the fact that it's necessary, right? Yeah. Instead of just like, oh, I have to confess. I mean, either way, it's necessary, but it's a different necessity, if that makes sense. Yeah. One thing I've heard a lot with like, is that it's like a backup plan, right? Yeah. And it's not a backup plan. It was the first plan, right? It is the plan. Right. We have to understand that we're in a fallen state, right? Yeah. Ever since Adam and Eve were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, man has not been like God, right? And because of that, we do things that are going to take us away from God, right? We're going to sin. We're going to have injuries on our bodies, to go back to your original metaphor. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to have wounds and scars. Right, and our Heavenly Father knew that. And so... It's not like he is disappointed or not expecting any of yeah. that. 
And in fact, one thing that somebody said in Utah that I thought was kind of cool is they were like looking for confirmation that God is there, right? Yeah. And it was a missionary, right? Okay. But um, they said they just kind of felt bad. Like, because as missionaries, you see a lot of really cool things where it's like, dang, yeah, God is real, right? Yeah. Or like you just see the power that... You see miracles or at right. least pay attention to miracles a lot more as a missionary. Exactly. And so they, they kind of felt really bad that like they were having this faith crisis, miniature faith crisis, right? Which, as a missionary. Right. And what they, f- the answer that they received was like, hey, it's okay that you keep asking, right? Like that's kind yeah. of the point is that you'll come back and you'll ask me and you'll talk to me and I can help you out again, right? Yeah. And so I, I actually think that's really cool and it applies not only to like our faith in things or lack of faith, right? But also in our lack of faithfulness, right? Like not yeah. only what we believe, but what we do. And so long story short, it's not like our Heavenly Father has any shame seeing us yeah. repenting, right? I mean, in Alma, it says there must needs be an opposition in all things. Right. That's the whole point of mortality. And I think if people don't understand that, then they'll keep asking the question that gets asked quite frequently where it's like, why do bad things happen to good people? It's like, well, these good people aren't going to be shielded from that because that wouldn't be helpful or beneficial to them. Mm -hmm. They're still going to, they're still going to die. They're going to get injured. They're going to whatever. I think I'm not, I'm not sure where it is, but there's this really good scripture in the old Testament. I think it's like, I think it was the Old Testament. It might have been Isaiah. I'll look later. But it's basically like the rain falls on the righteous and the wicked. Oh, so it's the it's the concept of um, Christ's parable of the wise and the foolish man. Yeah. Where, to sum it up in two sentences, the foolish man built their house on sand and it got washed away when the storm came. Well, and the righteous man built it on the rock and it stayed still when the rains came. But the no, point that's of not that, that is, parable. Well, no, but the point was that they both of them had the rain, right? Like that was Oh, yeah, that yeah. That was yeah. going to happen regardless. Right. It's just one person was able to handle it and the other yeah. wasn't. Right. Actually, I never thought about that correlation because this is a separate verse in a different chapter entirely or a different book in the Old Testament. But like I didn't realize about the correlation about the wise men and the Huh. That's actually interesting. Yeah. But there's a quote from President Nelson that we were that I found talking about like the the policeman versus the doctor, right? Yeah. And it's in the it's in the talk title We Can Do Better and Be Better, which is a really good talk. I don't know if you remember it. This was in April 2019 by President Russell M. Nelson. And in this quote it says, Too many people consider repentance as punishment, something to be avoided. But this feeling of being penalized in is engendered by Satan. He tries to block us from looking to Jesus Christ, who stands with open arms, hoping and willing to heal, forgive, cleanse, strengthen, purify, and sanctify us. So, I mean, this thought of that as a punishment is used right here, it says, by Satan to essentially prevent us from repenting, right? Right. And he'll do that in a wide variety of things. I like it that that quote says Christ is hoping, right? And like one thing that I felt like on my mission was really like bad because I would think about my actions and the pain that that caused the Savior, right? When he atoned for all of our sins, right? Yeah. And I came to realize how much that bugged me, right? And just I felt terrible because it's like man if I just didn't exist then like all of this pain wouldn't have been caused for this person who's perfect right yeah but what the Lord showed unto me is that we actually bring Christ more joy than we do pain yeah that was like a line given to me very directly from like into my mind when I was pondering right yeah. And so if you think about that, 
It says that Christ bled from every pore, which I have done zero research on this. But somebody <laughs> told me one time that like when people bleed from their pore, like a normal man, they tend to faint, right? Right. And for Christ to that, do that, like you know, to an unimaginable scale, right? I mean, the whole point of the atonement and like the suffering in Gethsemane was that only a immortal being could do this because anyone else would die instantly. But what I also like about that is that, I mean, it says in the scriptures that he can choose to lay down his life. And so when you think about it that way, he was choosing to hold on to that pain to finish it all out, even though he was perfectly capable of ending it. Yeah. But he held on the entire time. Mm -hmm. And what I deduced from the knowledge that I was given, right, is that if we repent, that brings Christ more joy than the pain that the sin caused. Yeah. Right? And so if you think about that and how we'll make mistakes every day, but the simple act of repenting and feeling sorry and admitting our fault into doing our best to put another foot forward to try again, right? Yeah. Brings Christ more joy than the pain of bleeding from a pore. Yeah. And that totally changed my thinking of how repentance is, right? And it's like, hmm, I I didn't want to rob Christ of this joy that I could give him, right? Yeah. By repenting. And so it's something that I, like repenting daily, right? It's yeah, something that's daily repentance. Right. I think it's something that's important. Just kind of like keeps us focused on like coming closer to our savior, right? Yeah. I don't know if like you say something enough times and it's like, ah, well dang. <laughs> Maybe I should like do something about this now because yeah. I don't like anyhow. Um because like it says in the scriptures to avoid vain repetition in prayers. And I mean, especially I know at least I'm not very good at practicing daily repentance. And the point of it is that you're looking back on your day, right? You're kind of giving him a report on what you did that day. And by exercising daily repentance, you're going to be like, okay, I know that this happened or rather this didn't happen, depending on what it is. And so I'm going to essentially how I think of it is that I'm making a plan right there. I'm talking to God. I'm letting him kind of guide and form the plan while I'm praying. And so I'm, so I'm then like, okay, this is the plan. This is what I'm going to try the next day. And I need your help to guide me and to help me be disciplined in this plan. There's a scripture in Isaiah, as you were talking about, that in Isaiah 118 that came to my mind. Because this, this is one of my favorite scriptures on repentance. And it's... Isaiah 1 18 says, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. So basically what this told me when this scripture came to my mind is that there is, well, maybe not nothing, but there are a few things that can separate us from the Lord's love that can separate us from like, not being able to come back. Like there are not many, very many things that we can do. It's not something we, we need to worry about. Yeah. It's without going into deeper doctrine. Basically, it's something that only a select few would even apply f- for. Yeah. Right. Like, which even the, then is the hard. Normal person, I don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about it. Almost certainly. One thing that I found interesting about that verse is that it said, as white as snow. Because I don't know um, if you remember when you lived in Utah, but when it would snow and then the sun was out, which being from Texas my whole life didn't make sense to me, right? (laughs) Those two things can't coexist, but turns out they can. (laughs) Yes, Um, they can. Even though the sun is out and it looks nice and warm, it's not nice and warm. No, it's very cold. No. Like the snow can stay there. But like, it's interesting is it's blinding. Yes. Right? The sun's reflection off the snow, it's it's so bright. It's hard to look anywhere because you're like, you can't look down because then it's at the snow. And it's yeah, really and their bright. white plastic fences don't help. <laughs> but 
but the point is like it's a drastic difference right from scarlet to white as snow and i don't know just thinking about my experience with snow yeah no i like that so i wanted to kind of go to an example of this in the book of mormon in the book of alma which i mean we've been going over alma quite a bit in the last episode as well and i think alma has a lot of really good doctrine but it's going to be in alma oh my gosh i cannot see if i hold it like this i'm going to do it like this alma 36 and i'm just going to kind of paraphrase a little bit this is basically alma talking to his son helaman and so this is alma kind of older in this period of time he has a f- couple sons i don't know how many sons he has helaman or alma yeah alma i think he has three yeah so but he's I talking don't know that for sure nah, i don't know a few more than two but he's talking to his son alma and he's kind of giving alma or sorry he's giving helaman kind of his conversion story slash his moment where he changed and so he goes on to talk to helaman Verse 6, For I went about with the sons of Mosiah, seeking to destroy the church of God. But behold, God sent his holy holy angel to stop us, by the way. I'll probably link to the the actual story in the notes because it's it's in Mosiah, I think, like where where the angel comes down. But basically, an angel is coming down, stopping Alma and the sons of Mosiah from persecuting the church. And verse 7, And behold, he spake unto us, as it were, the voice of thunder, and the whole earth did tremble beneath our feet. And we all fell to the earth, for the fear of the Lord came upon us. So I think it's kind of interesting because it wasn't them realizing that they'd done something wrong, but rather like an angel coming down and being like, Hey, stop that. Like remember in Laman, Laman Lemuel, the angel appeared, but they didn't do anything. Right. And so I just think of how it's interesting in this one where, I mean, it says, for the fear of the Lord came upon us. They realized, oh, crap. We darn messed up. <laughs> yeah. Which, they I mean, did. that's... They messed they up. They did. A lot. And I think this is kind of how we can come to a realization either we get this wake-up call where it's like, oh, wait, I messed up. I did something that I wasn't supposed to. Or, and I think another way is you kind of, I was going to say, like, panic or, like, being sad. Because like I kind of see it as a couple different ways. You can either realize that you've messed up and kind of have this almost panic, or you can, like, kind of have this deep sadness It's like, almost like you feel like you betrayed God by either doing this or not doing this. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know how, I don't. Like godly sorrow versus worldly sorrow. I can't remember what scripture that is. Oh, I know what you're talking about now. Where it's like a, it's a fear of getting caught, kind of. Yeah. Like a panic. Right. As opposed to somebody who is like, dang, I'm not a, good person yeah like i was thinking like in terms of like somebody who committed a crime yeah getting no. caught and they're like panicking as opposed to somebody who would like yeah. turn themselves in i mean it's going back to the police versus doctor right i feel like the like the godly sorrow is akin to i realize that there's something wrong with me i feel there's something wrong with me and so i want to go to a doctor to have him fix me but in this situation, he's basically, where is it? In verse 12, but I was racked with eternal torment for my soul was harrowed up to the greatest degree and racked with all my sins. So he's getting the panic. Yeah, he's getting the panic slash the realization of how he was fully in Satan's power. And yeah. so, I mean, there's like, five verses where he goes in detail just how bad he felt. Verse 14, Yea, and I had murdered many of his children, or rather led them away unto destruction. So he's getting all of his sins replayed in his mind as this angel comes down and he's knocked out. And then he's going through all this. But then it goes on in verse 17, and and it came to pass that as I was thus racked with torment, 
while I was harrowed up by the memory of my many sins. Behold, I remembered also to have heard my father prophesy unto the people concerning the coming of one Jesus Christ, son of God, to atone for the sins of the world. Now, as my mind caught hold upon this thought, I cried within my heart, O Jesus, thou son of God, have mercy on me, who am in the gall of bitterness, and am encircled about by the everlasting chains of death. So, not great. Nope, not really. But he remembered, I like, especially when it says, I remembered the words of my father. Yeah. Because it's the same thing that happened with Nephi. He rem- no, it was Enos who remembered the words yeah. of his father. And he's like, my soul hungereth. And so he prayed. And mm-hmm. so having starting your journey with faith, eventually you're going to come to this realization that as you get taught more like doctrine and the commandments, right? right. Then you realize, oh, this is something I'm not doing. This is something I am doing that I shouldn't be doing. And then there's this very crucial point where you have to realize that you need to rely on Jesus without getting caught up in like worldly sorrow, as it says in scripture, like just feeling terrible about yourself, just feeling like you're never going to shape up. And like, I, I think it's perfectly fine if you start with worldly sorrow. Right. Right. Because I mean, that's what I did. Right. And then I just had, I had to put my faith in Jesus Christ and be like, Hmm, this seems to be working for others. Mm -hmm. So maybe it can work for me. And as I found it and found that light, then I started to appreciate it. And then came the more godly sorrow as opposed to, oof, I feel like my life sucks. Yeah. Kind of a thing. But then once you do that transition, because the problem of worldly sorrow is staying in that for too long, right? For not right. going any farther. as in Choosing just, not to progress is not a good thing. Yeah. But then you go into godly sorrow, and then you're humble enough like with a broken heart and a contrite spirit, the second half being the contrite spirit, being willing and humble to do what God wants you to do. Right. And so verse 20, going back to the story, and oh, what joy and what marvelous light I did behold. Yea, my soul was filled with joy as exceeding as was my pain. So oh, that's that kind of interesting. That, that reminds you of what you told me, where it's like you bring me more joy than yeah. pain. I imagine that's what you were going to say too, huh? Yeah, I was like, oh, I didn't know it said that. Yeah. And so this was more of an instantaneous thing, which I feel like happens a lot in the scriptures where it's like, you had enough faith and now all your sins are gone. Yeah. It happens quite a bit in the scriptures, but usually depending, it's at least a process. It's at least time that we have to put in making plans with God how we're going to improve, hence daily repentance. Like, this should not be a one-off thing. Right. It should be a continuous, how can I improve 1% better? I'm reminded of that one talk. Right. And, like, it's not like Alma didn't ever have to repent again, right? Like, yeah, he had to continue throughout his life to make that decision to humble himself and to repent, right? Mm-hmm. It's just that his conversion story was remarkable and henceforth had this like instantaneous repentance yeah. thing for up to that point. Yeah. Right? Because, I mean, the scriptures give us very big examples, right. but I feel that's necessary in order to make a point. Oftentimes, yeah. It's kind of funny how that how works. Layman- like something we don't want to accept requires just like a mountain of like evidence to be uh-huh. like, ah, fine. <laughs> yeah. We're so blind, naive, stuck in our ways. Stubborn. Stubborn. Thank you. Stuckern. I was going to like combine stuck stuck with stubborn. <laughs> no, but even like Laman and Lemuel, they were told over and over by their father, by Nephi, by, an angel. by a freaking angel of the Lord. And it's just like, bruh. They're they like, repent a lot. Laman and Lemuel, they do repent at certain times. But you can see that it's by that worldly sorrow, right? Like, yeah. You can, it's, they're not choosing to take that worldly sorrow to then have godly sorrow. Yeah. They're not realizing that they're offending God, I guess. Right. And I realize we're saying like it's a choice to have 
godly sorrow. It's not like bad, like we were talking about. Godly sorrow isn't great, but like repentance is a good process. It is a good choice to right. choose to have godly, godly sorrow, sorrow. I guess you're trying to make this distinction. Like godly sorrow is sorrow that you know you've disobeyed God and is, are wanting to make that right. Yes. So you're trying to, okay. And that making it right is much better. Yeah. Hey guys, thanks for listening to our episode. If you like what you hear and you want to get weekly updates with exclusive content and an inside look on missionary work, join our email list on our website. You can go to lumietmedia.com. That's L-U-M-I-E-T media.com. Just scroll down to the bottom and you'll see a little form where you can put in your name, put in your email. It's free. We don't need anything else from you. We're going to be giving you concise and actionable advice, takeaways from our episodes and lessons and experiences directly from the mission field. And so if that sounds interesting to you, just go to Lumiet Media, L-U-M-I-E-T media.com. And we hope to help you a little bit more every week. Bye. kind of a good transition to talk about like the natural man, right? Because there's this really good series that my brothers watch. It's called Drawn In. It's by, um, what's his name? David Bowman. It's like this subscription that my mom has for like younger kids following, come follow me. It's this guy. Oh, he, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, yeah you've yeah, seen yeah. his videos? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're really good actually. Like kind of cringy at times, but... Fair like, enough. It is for kids. Yeah. They're <laughs> funny and I mean, I enjoy it. And it, he simplifies it a lot, obviously for children, but it gives me a really, at least for me, it gives me a really clear, like it lays out doctrine pretty clearly. And I appreciate that. And so, kind of what he talked about is the pull that we experience between like the natural man and our spirit. Because there are, he described it as like two magnets, right? There's one magnet moving us towards the things of the world, right? And there's this other magnet that's pulling our spirit that's moving us towards things of God. And so on this earth, we have this natural carnal shell, like flesh, and then we have our spirit encased inside it, right? Yep. And so... There's this scripture, Mosiah 3.19, and it reads, For the natural man is an enemy to God and has been from the fall of Adam and will be forever and ever unless he yields to the enticings of the Holy Spirit. Going back to like following the Spirit as opposed to your natural man. And, And putteth off the natural man and becoming a saint through the atonement of Christ the Lord and becoming becometh as a child, submissive, meek, humble, patient, full of love, willing to submit to all things which the Lord seeth fit to inflict upon him, even as a child doth submit to his father. Just really quick, I find it interesting he uses the word inflict, suggesting that it's not entirely a painless process sometimes. Yeah, it's true. But like, it's really hard. (laughs) Like, there's so many distractions and other things you could be doing instead of doing things of God. It's really a constant struggle, especially for the younger generation. I guess our generation. (laughs) Why? Well, well, because of the distractions with technology. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Like around our range. I understand what you're saying now. There's a lot more things vying for our attention. Yeah. Every second of every day. now than there used to be. No, yeah. Like, using pornography as an example, you would either, like, there'd be a magazine, maybe, like, a movie that was R-rated or, like, billboards. And then now, like, being able to send messages, access videos, the internet is a lot more pervasive and more easily accessible. Basically, the natural man magnet got a little closer or stronger or whatever you want to say. Yeah. Or at least more ways to get there. Yeah. So I guess stronger is a better way to put it. Yeah. And I mean, especially as missionaries, I feel like we kind of notice that more because we're so, we're we're trying so much to stay in that spiritual side. Yeah. And then it's, you can feel more of a drastic change when you give into that other side. 
Right. But what I really like, and often what I would teach people about the natural man, is found in Mosiah 16. Um, for a little bit of context, this is a prophet named Abinadi, who, I guess a little short summary, he was preaching repentance to the nation. They didn't like it. They threw him in jail. And so he's before the king, right? And he's basically telling him and his priests off. He's like, you do not, you teach the law of Moses, but you don't follow it. And it's like savage. Rich, I like Abinadi is one of my favorite characters in the Book of Mormon. And I don't know. Character implies, am I wrong? Or does character imply fictitious? Not necessarily. Fair enough then. In like a literature context, it could be both. Like fiction, nonfiction. I guess. There's some person who's better with words. That's going to be like, no, it's not. (laughs) And to him, I say, I'm sorry. But anyway, Abinadi, a very, a prophet, I guess. I won't use the word character. You're welcome. (laughs) You're welcome to use it. I just. Right. Anyhow. Um, So he's talking about, I mean, he starts saying, the time shall come with also, all shall see the salvation of the Lord. When every nation, kindred, tongue, and people shall see eye to eye. And then, this is the next chapter, or the next verse. And then shall the wicked be cast out, and they shall have cause to howl and wail and weep and gnash their teeth. So basically just going into describing the last days, right? Where the wicked will be separated from the righteous. But it's verse 3 that I find really interesting. It says, For they are carnal and devilish, and the devil has power over them. Yea, even that old serpent that did beguile our first parents, so meaning Adam and Eve, which was the cause of their fall, which was the cause of all mankind becoming carnal, sensual, devilish, knowing evil from good, subjecting themselves to the devil. Right. So in that instance, when he tempted Adam and Eve, that was when temptation first existed. Right. That's when... Because you can't have temptation if you don't know what's good and what's evil. Right. Right. And so basically, they didn't... Satan introduced the magnet, right? Like... Yeah. Before he put himself in the story, there wasn't a magnet. Yeah. Because... And that's what I try to help people to see is that it's not because they're bad people. It's not because like, oh, this is just my nature. It's who I am. I can't change it. This didn't exist in the beginning. Right. Until Satan was allowed to go in the garden. And then only then did this temptation, this evil exist. And so I think when it, it helps people a lot, I've seen, when they realize that there is this force, this driving force that is trying to tempt them. And so when they realize it in their head of like Satan versus God as opposed to like their own sinful nature, their fault that they'll never shape up to God. Once they realize that it's not just them, then I think it helps them a lot. Right. And I think it kind of goes back a little bit to where we mentioned that like because we're in this fallen state, right? Like it's expected that we're going to give in to temptation from time yeah. to time. But there's a fine line between accepting that we're going to make mistakes and then justifying yeah. our mistakes on that. It's funny you say that. You want to you read verse 5 right here? Sure. It's kind of the exact thing of what you're trying to get at. Huh. But remember that he that persists in his own carnal nature... And goes on in the ways of sin and rebellion against God, remaineth in his fallen state, and the devil hath all power over him. Therefore he is as though there was no redemption made, being an enemy to God, and also is the devil an enemy to God. That's yeah, that sums up what I was <laughs> trying to say pretty well. So it's when you don't make the effort to progress towards repentance is that you're failing. Yeah. So basically, 
I, the way I like to think about it is failure is when you stop trying. Yes. It's only if you don't get up that you lose. Yeah. And, I mean, you and I have probably experienced that feeling in our mission where we just, like, don't want to keep trying, you know? Just All becomes... the time. <laughs> well, quite frequently, yeah. Yeah. Especially because I have kind of, like, a perfectionist mindset. And so when I feel like I'm not shaping up or when I feel like I can't shape up no matter how hard I try, I'm just like, no, I don't want to try because there's no point. And then God would be like, goer. And then I would just, he'd give me just enough strength to keep going, to keep teaching. And I would feel better after teaching people. Like, Oftentimes what I felt has helped me at least is thinking about others and serving and teaching others. And that would make me feel better because I would see them feel better. And so that would make me feel better that I helped them. Yeah, I like something that Nephi said um, in Second Nephi or chapter 4, verses 16 through 20. He says, Behold, my soul delighteth in the things of the Lord, and my heart pondereth continually upon the things which I have seen and heard. So he sounds like a pretty good guy, right? And yeah. he is. I mean, there's like four books he's written of just how great a guy and a prophet he was. And then he continues and says, Nevertheless, notwithstanding the great goodness of the Lord and showing me his great and marvelous works, my heart exclaimeth, O wretched man that I am. Yea, my heart sorroweth because of my flesh. My soul grieveth because of mine iniquities. I am encompassed about because of the temptations and and the sins which do easily beset me. And when I desire to rejoice, my heart groaneth because of my sins. Nevertheless, I know in whom I have trusted. I like that phrase a lot. I know in whom I have trusted. Yeah. My God hath been my support. He hath led me through mine afflictions in the wilderness, and he hath preserved me upon the waters of the great deep. Yeah. Those are one of my favorite verses about repentance or just perseverance. Because Nephi, who, and who knows, maybe there were some things in his past that maybe he felt still embarrassed about. But generally, he was a righteous man doing the right thing with the right intent. And so having this guy be like, oh, wretched man that I am. Right. He was something that very clearly, someone that the Lord very clearly trusted a lot. Right. And for him to just be talking about the sins that easily beset him. Right. That's, it's so interesting. Which is true when you think about the natural man versus the spirit. Right. So maybe that's what he's And I think it's, I think Nephi's walking that fine line that I was talking about earlier. Yeah. Right, where he, he talks about how he recognizes that, like, he's mortal, right? Yeah. And at the same time, he knows in whom he's trusted, right? Yeah. And it's because of that trust that he's putting in God, the guilt is able to be wiped away, right? Yeah. It's I like- because of that trust in the Savior that he's able to escape the groaning of his heart. Yeah. Right? I like the kind of little summary in that chapter where it says, Nephi puts his trust in the Lord forever. It says it in the the little summary before the chapter starts. So that's, I feel like he's giving us, because he's writing all this as it already happened, right? This is him. He's yeah. old. And he's writing these plates as the Lord has directed him to. And so he has noticed the point where he stopped walking that line and started putting his trust in the Lord. And so that's a really, those are really inspiring verses to me. And I like those a lot. So we talked about repentance and how we can improve ourselves. But then the other side of that coin is extending the same grace to other people, right? Extending forgiveness. Yeah, because not only do we need to repent of our own sins, right? We need to forgive other people's, like, trespasses against us, right? Yeah. And Christ talks about this in the parable of, 
I think it's called the parable of the unfaithful servant. Regardless of what it's called, this is the summary of the story, right? Basically, there was a servant to the king who owed him like a crap ton of money. It says like 10,000 crowns or something like that. I can't remember what the exact amount is. It says 10,000 talents. It's a lot of money. It's it's a lot of money, right? Like, And the way that the laws work back then is that if you can't pay your debt, you get sent to prison along with your family, right? Um, until you can pay your debt, which quite frankly doesn't make any sense because you can't make money when you're in prison. But that's actually not true now. Hmm. Well, <laughs> fair enough. I don't know if you could make money back then. I tend to think Probably you could. Probably not at that time. Um, but anyhow, basically things looked really, really bleak for him, right? Mm-hmm. And the king, the gracious king is like, uh, you know what? I will forgive you, right? Like, it's okay. He had compassion on him. And then later, the same servant that was forgiven, um, somebody owed him much less. I think it said like 100 pence. Yeah. And quite frankly, oddly enough, talent and pence, like just sounding it out, you can kind of tell which one is less. Yeah. Um, Anyhow, way less money, right? And the person who owes the servant money does the same thing and asks like give me more time and I'll pay it for you right Mm -hmm. and he says nay but thou shalt be sent to prison and then the king finds out about this and isn't very happy but I like what he says and so this is in Matthew 18 um, verses 32 is where we'll start it says, Then his Lord, after that he called, had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And if you think about that, and like, all that we ask the Lord to forgive us of, right? At least I have a lot that I ask him to forgive me of, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're practicing daily repentance, that's a lot of repenting you're doing. Right. And then if I were to, like, demand justice for, like, my brother stealing a piece of toast, which doesn't happen, but, like, you get the idea. Yeah, you don't even eat toast. Yeah, well, I don't eat a lot of things. <laughs> Slash, I just I just don't eat very much. Anyhow, it it's so minuscule and, like, dang, like, why can't I just forgive him of this? But... Yet, that's the way it is, right? Like, it's hard to forgive people of things. And I was given some advice that actually helped me quite a lot. Because there was somebody that I was, like, didn't have the best of feelings towards, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go into why or who they are. But I, I didn't have very great feelings about this person. And I realized that I was having these unkind feelings, right? And that it kind of was weighing on me. Yeah. And so I was like, hmm, I should forgive him. And I couldn't. I was like, huh. No, I still feel very justified, even though I want to, like, in the back of my mind, I'm like, hmm, it would make sense for me to forgive him. Yeah. I was still upset. I still felt very justified in my feelings, and so I didn't really get anywhere. And so I asked my mission president about this, or I told him, and I was like, I don't know what to do. And what he told me was to pray for him. And that actually makes a lot of sense. Um, it, maybe you have it, but the Sermon on the Mount in, I think it's Matthew, Matthew 5. five. Um, Specifically in verse 44, it says... But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Right. And so my mission president told me this, like, hey, you should pray for this person. And I was like, really? Because, like, it's not going to be sincere at all, right? It's just going to kind of be like, bruh, fine. Begrudgingly. Yeah, begrudgingly. Um, and I was like, is, should I still do it if it's going to be with me dragging my heels in the sand? Right. And he was like, yeah, you should still do it even regardless of that. 
And so I did. And as I did that, I started to realize how I didn't need to hold a grudge and that he was going to get his what he was due just deserves. without me, right? Like I didn't need to do anything about it. Yeah. And we don't always get like, the like they don't always get their reckoning on Not this satisfaction. Earth. That's kind of a wrong word, but like you don't always see them get the justice. Yeah. Right? And so for me praying for him, I kind of for the first time realized, oh, you know, I there are consequences to what's happening. Yeah. Right. And so that kind of left me in a state of like having more compassion, right? And I was able to see that it's not just like so one-sided. Yeah. And I'm sure it would be a lot harder to forgive if that wasn't the case. If you're putting your trust in the Lord, right? That it will all be made right in the end. Yeah. Because that's... Go ahead. That's kind of the issue that some people have right now. If they're like, for an example, certain cases in the legal system, it's not a perfect system. And so certain cases that should be justified completely are kind of miss, what's the word? Misjudged? Miss. Uh, I don't know. Like the but judge like makes the- a call that doesn't seem justified and doesn't seem like. Right. Fair. And it happens both ways to where somebody gets wrongfully imprisoned and somebody gets let go. Yeah. Right? Like, that's just the way it is. Like, it, we're not perfect. Yeah. So having that worldly perspective doesn't make you feel very good because you feel no. like you were not either really. robbed of justice or wrongfully accused of something you didn't do. And so having this eternal perspective is like, well, it doesn't matter what they think. It doesn't matter what they believe. I know that God knows my heart, and I know that this is going to be all made right in the end. Right, and that's, I actually really like that, that you have to switch your thinking to the eternal perspective. Yeah. And praying was something that helped me switch my thinking on the situation to an eternal perspective. Yeah. To where now... I don't have that burden of holding a grudge anymore, right? It's, I know in whom I have trusted going back to Nephi. I just, I really love that line. Nevertheless, I know in whom I have trusted. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's the beginning of having faith Then having faith that Christ is there to make things right gives you the motivation to start your repentance process. Acknowledging the fact that you've messed up but knowing that it's necessary to change yourself. And so, I mean, yeah, I, I really like that line a lot because, again, internal perspective makes things a whole lot easier to, well, not a whole lot easier because there's the faith that those things will happen. But once you grow that faith and once you understand that it becomes a lot better, like it lifts a burden off of your mind, kind of yeah. off what you said. No, you're exactly right. And so that's that's just something I wanted to mention when it comes to repentance is the, like you said, the other side of the coin, right? Because yeah. the story of the unprofitable servant is really interesting to me because God says, hey, if you want to be forgiven, you need to do your best to forgive on the earth, right? Your fellow men. Yeah. Going back to the two greatest commandments, love thy God and love thy neighbor. Yeah. I mean, it really all boils down to that. Yeah. The law of... There's a phrase I really liked in the Follow Him podcasts, changing from the law of Moses, the law of the land, to the law of love. Because really, if you... All these commandments you're following because you love God, and then you're serving other people, you're having charity because you love your neighbor, which is everybody. Yeah. Anyway, that's... That's far from everything about repentance. Um, For one, we didn't even talk about grace, and that's part of it. And Mm -hmm. so what we decided is that we're actually going to have an entire episode about grace. Um, 
because it's it's so important and yeah oddly enough a, a misunderstood in our church and our church's well, view on grace like i don't know at I, least in utah a lot of people not even yeah cuz not even misunderstood i didn't even know me personally i didn't even know that the concept of grace existed like when i heard the word grace I just thought it was just like another nice description of like what God has for us, like mercy, loving kindness, grace. Yeah. I and didn't... I had no idea that grace was something much bigger and an essential part of repentance, like you said. So when I first learned about it and kind of dug into what it really meant, it was an eye-opening experience for me personally. Yeah. And so there's there's one talk that we're going to be going into because it's such a phenomenal talk, right? And it's His Grace is Sufficient by Brad R. Wilcox. Um, but before that, we'll, we'll leave you with a scripture. And it's 2 Nephi 25-23. For we labor diligently to write to persuade our children and also our brethren to believe in Christ and to be reconciled to God. For we know that it is by grace that we are saved after all we can do. And so... Like, it's kind of funny that we didn't mention grace at all because that scripture literally says we are saved by grace. Like, without it, there's no, none of this works without grace, right? Right. And so, so we definitely need to have another part to this describing grace. And so, but for now, just try your best to put your faith in God. Try your best to start that process to repentance and to start making those changes. In the next episode, we're going to go over by grace and how I think it'll be helpful if for those people kind of starting the repentance process and realizing that there's this extra help. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. hopefully you guys enjoyed. Thank you for listening. Know in whom you've trusted. Audie Toast. Thank you for listening to us. This is Walk With Him, a podcast about Jesus Christ. And if you'd like to know more about Jesus Christ, we have a website, which is Lumiet Media, L-U-M-I-E-T, media.com. On there, you'll find stuff about us, stuff about our Savior, Jesus Christ. You'll find our socials where you can follow us and support the podcast. You can also sign up for our email list where we give you just some advice, takeaways from our episodes and experiences that we've had from the mission field. You can join that email list on our website, follow our socials, and if you could rate us, that would really help other people discover the podcast and just start their own journey towards our Savior, Jesus Christ. So thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. Adios.